Welcome to The Conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galina. Hello. Hello, Henrietta. Hi, Jason. And uh, this week we are tackling a subject that I I think we've avoided. Like the plague. I, I think we've avoided and we're going we're gonna to dive in today. And that is uh, influencer culture. And the, the timing of, the, of this, I think, is, is right because um, Instagram just announced that they are going to start uh, testing no likes in the American territory. They've been testing it in other regions of the world, and now it's coming to America, and everyone is quite the kerfuffle. Yeah, I think it's perplexing a lot of people. I think it's not as negative as when they first announced it. I think everyone from the brand side to the influencer side was freaking out, and now I feel like it's a bit more balanced and there's a lot more of a nuanced conversation around it. But it's interesting about how influencers are reacting, how it's going to impact the economy and just generally just what is the state of that union? The influencer culture is, um, I I feel like it's somewhat safe to tackle (laughs) because I feel like more people are on the same page. I remember even in our first season when we started the podcast, it was like, this is a prevalent, this is a conversation worth having. We've been having it. Let's just get it out there and 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 publish something. And I was literally like, I just don't want everyone to think that I just because I had nothing nice to say. So my my theory was I just will say nothing at all. Okay, fair enough. And I think I think a lot has happened in a very short period of time with the info. I have to tell you, my my feelings on the culture has sort of waxed and waned over time. Sometimes I'm really passionate about like, you know, these people are selling their souls to the devil. And then other times I'm like, well, they're the new models and they're just, you know, uh, shilling products and 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 endorsing merchandise. And what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. You know, it really I, and I always think that a subject is worthy of discussion when I'm personally when I'm personally conflicted about mm-hmm. where I stand on it. And I have to say, this is a, this one, I don't have a clear-cut position on it, as, as well as morphing. It's, it's, it's changing with, with time. Is that? I, I think it is. I, I, I think it is. Well, well, we'll see in this conversation. We'll, 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 let's mm-hmm. talk about the, the, the different dimensions of, um, of influencer culture and sort of uh, try to determine where we stand with it right now and sort of anchor it against the, this whole likes, uh, the removal of likes um, for, the, for, the, for the culture. Okay, so but let's. I always like that we define because we. I, I feel that we take for granted sometimes uh, the definition of things. We're so in the mix of of marketing and and marketing speak and all these sort of things. I don't. A lot of people don't always understand. Uh, you know, some of these, some of these, some of the language. I think here it's less about. Um, I think it's getting on the same page as to who we're referring to specifically because I think that the term influencer. Personally, I think is largely outsized, but I think that we are talking specifically around the the careered fashion influencer. So the person, but let's maybe lifestyle inclusive of say beauty, fashion, maybe travel because they've all kind of converged in that lifestyle space. Or is that too expansive in your in your vision? That is true to a degree. There is a convergence of lifestyle, but in the way that all brands say their lifestyle, but really they're in hospitality or they're in fashion or they're in beauty. So Fair enough. Okay. Yes. By virtue of them being human, there is a lifestyle <laughs> around there where they travel and, you know, there's like beauty products involved. But for right. the most part, I'm talking about fashion because I think that beauty influencers, travel influencers, I think that there are other nuances involved that don't necessarily apply to when we talk to fashion influencers, particularly as it pertains to authenticity. Okay, fair enough. So yes, let's, let's, for the the sake of argument, say we're covering lifestyle influencers, but largely when I'm talking about it, I'm talking about it through the lens of fashion and obviously as it pertains to what I do. Okay. And I will attempt to add my definition uh, to this, but by no means is this, (laughs) is this gospel. And my feeling is that an influencer has authority by virtue of experience, access, exposure. Uh, They uh, can reach a a wide audience and they can influence that audience to consume or to digest information. That that wasn't, that didn't seem so sound, but that that, that was an attempt. (laughs) That's the gist. That's that's the vibe. Okay, okay, fine. So, So we'll go with that. 
And now in the fashion space, we see, I have to tell you, <laughs> you know, in, on my feed, I follow a fair amount of influencers. I know a fair amount of influencers. And on my feed, I have to tell you the performance nature of these influencers. Every single day, they can be endorsing upwards of five to 10 products. It doesn't necessarily seem that, you know, they are uh, endorsing the quality quality of those products by by experiencing them by actually loving them but they're kind of slapping their names onto these onto these 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 products and 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 getting a paycheck and i am of sort of mixed minds what i feel about that yeah because we've definitely been i remember one time a couple of summers ago had a bit of an argument about it where you were kind of like what's your beef how is this any different to models or celebrities they're getting paid sit down essentially is what your point was to me my whole thing is we've had, I mean, look, the idea of influence is not a modern one. It doesn't, it's not one that's specific to social media or the internet. We've always lived in this age of who has influence, whether it's the church, whether it's celebrity from sports stars, actors, musicians. Um, I think what was interesting about social media and what I personally thought was a positive when this whole thing started, like I remember like, I don't know, like 10 years ago or something, maybe a bit less. I was working at Topshop and I was working in the brand marketing team. And there were these really cool people who sounded and acted and were essentially you and I. And there was this idea of this peer-to-peer interaction. So it was really like the sort of Susie Lows, the Leandras, the OGs, should we call them, okay. for lack of a better term. Um and it seemed really cool. Like I was like Susie is and was like incredibly smart, had really sick style. Leandra was great. There was a level of authenticity because no one knew what they were doing. No one knew what this was. No one knew what it could be. We would reach out to Susie and be like, hey, love your style. You have this thing called a blog. Let's find a way to collaborate. Though It, it was very um, authentic and genuine. And I think what's happened with the successes and the rise of social media is that that has become very different in a way that it has gone back to what feels like that kind of church, celebrity, actor, sports star, where it's become a little bit more ubiquitous influencers um, once they get to a certain point or following or, or endorsement status, whatever, become untouchables. I mean, this idea that this is the life that you live feels very unrelated to the average person, and everything feels very trend-driven. So right now, for and I think that is one of the things that really drives me up the wall because we have, right now, the trend is put the Insta back into Instagram. So no filters, honesty, authenticity, which is probably our industry's most overused term. <laughs> so we have people that are talking about concepts like diversity and mental health in the same way and it through the same lens and proposition that they're sending you clothing and makeup, right? So then you have the girl that's like, oh, I woke up today. I'm just being honest with my followers. Like, I'm, I'm really depressed. There's like some really surface anecdote around what that means. But there's also like a picture of them in their best light, not smiling. And I'm just a bit like, but that kind of looks like the post before where you were also trying to tell me to buy that lip balm. Okay, And it's like, the, the context and the nuance, and by no means am I saying that in that example, this person is immune to mental health issues. That's not my point. But what does it look like when we have those conversations? Because there are people who legitimately are like, I feel like shit, I look like shit, I can't get out of bed, I've lost my job, my boyfriend, whatever it is. And I, I don't look flawless I right feel now. <laughs> rock, I feel like I'm rock bottom, but the way she's talking about it, <laughs> I feel worse than that. So what the fuck? Like, it, you know, and so it's like we have to really um, understand that level of responsibility when we talk about these things. When I hear certain influencers talk about diversity, I'm literally like, oh, bless. If this is where your audience are getting their information, like, you, you know, so it, I think that there are just these ideas of the responsibility, what we're talking about, what it looks like, given that we know that we're in this kind of age and era of like comparison culture. Comparison is just the thief of joy, but it just, you're not immune to it on social media. And then it's like, how do I dissect 
what you're selling me that sometimes is completely disconnected from what you say you are. And then authenticity is something that you cannot manufacture. So then when it, it becomes this ubiquitous, everyone's content looks the same, everyone's dressing the same. You know, we've seen waves of like, there's now two aesthetics for us, for influencers. Everyone's either in the new Bottega mode or they're in that kind of bodycon fashion over mode. And it's like, well, you can't all look, feel, believe that. So, you know, where's the individualism? Can you be yourself if you have to appeal to a mass audience? How do you scale you? The way to scale you is to basically be like everyone else, try to be all things to all people. And so it's like, we get into this murky territory again. And you know, I have a bit of a bee in, my, in the bonnet about money and fashion. So it's like, when you're being paid for certain things, I'm just less inclined to believe you. And when you're right. doing things for the likes, which impact how much you're getting paid and when you know, you're trying to chase certain metrics. It, well, it's think, a kind of vicious cycle that I think is evolving to a point of nausea. I'm like, we're not really sure. And one of the things that we touched on when I came back from Paris a couple, a few seasons ago, was the fact that even influencers didn't want to be influencers. Like, enough, they yeah. were almost getting sick of themselves and their peers. So that to me was a big question as to like, where is this going? Well, I think what you're saying is that, and and for me as well, I have no problem with with an influencer per se. Uh, but I think the the issues that is that a is that influence authentic, and then in the in the the quantity or the amount of of, of broadcast that we you know that we get from them, you know, how much of this is really how much of this is they're really passionate about? How much is it, how much of this that they really believe? And I think that's what happens. And it's funny funny that you mentioned Susie Lau. I, you know, I, I know Susie and I've looked at her, um, her influencer rise over the last couple of years. And I, things can get problematic sort of in her realm because she is a journalist. She's a respected journalist, a very good one. But then you see a, a, a talent like that that has really like gone down the influencer lane and there's a lot of endorsements. There's a lot of ads on her platform. And it's very difficult then at that time when you see that someone is willing to to take money just to essentially plaster a name next to her name and to her identity. And then you're to look over to the right and to read an article or criticism or whatever she has on the, the business of fashion, on the industry, on designers, and so on and so forth. And, and Susie also hold, you know, Susie also has activism in her profile as well. She'll take a position on particular issues and so forth. And I think that becomes really problematic when you'll take a position, A, you are a journalist, you'll take a position on certain things, but you won't on on Gucci, for example, because your endorsement comes from there. So that's I think that's what has happened in this age. And you're talking about as well. You gave the example of a of a depressed influencer who is you know making sure that her light is just so while tears are coming down her face, and she's sitting in a Bottega. Um, I was not even talking about tears <laughs> or that. Like I just was like it wasn't even that deep, and she didn't say she had depression. That's why I'm saying it was a very surface notion of of what depression was. It was, to be honest, quite ambiguous, which was kind of a little but bit the, of the, po the point, point. was to The point was to be intimate and be somewhat raw, revealing something and draw the audience in, essentially, was the, is, you're, you're saying, was the, the, the tactic there. And yes, that, that can become problematic because you question what the agenda is for that influencer, especially when you say that, you know, with the previous image, the lighting was very similar and they're schlocking X product for X brand. And so I think in that space, while I love the, the democratization of, of different players that don't have to be, you know, model size, typical model look of a very narrow um, uh, view on, on let's say, uh, purveyors of style or very narrow view on endorsers in other ages. I love that. I love that part of the influencer rise. However, that space has become, is becoming, I think, polluted because those brands are really buying off the influencer participation. So my issue is less that like to the point about Susie and that influencer talking about depression like be about it if you want to be more candid and let people into your world go for it that's not my issue the issue is how do you do that authenticity is a is a real thing so it's like if you're going to be about it be about it because then otherwise we're in this very murky diluted idea of is this going to make people feel worse? What exactly is it you're saying? You're not really committing to anything because you're worried about your brand. We're in this murky thing of if you had a point, make it. And with Susie, 
it's because this isn't a blanket statement for all influencers. I actually think that Susie's trajectory has been probably one of the best best examples because she's remained, her integrity has remained intact. Her taking money from brands isn't dissimilar to us working for brands and identifying the internal problems and challenges, but still needing to get paid. Susie has taken positions and yes, but she's also like, she's not taken the easy road. She has what, like four, maybe 500,000 followers. Like if she really took that basic route, she could have two, three million followers. She was one of the originals. She has really cultivated an audience that trust her, that trust what she says. I think she's very discerning about her endorsement choices. She's remained smart. She's not sold out. She's not become this like other, like she's very honest. And I think she's someone who has remained what the original ethos and idea of an influencer was, which is like, I'm this person who loves fashion and I I write and I I do all of that stuff. I got to tell you, this is not, this podcast shouldn't become about Susie and it isn't about Susie, but it's actually funny and strange that you say that because (laughs) my feeling is that if if a, a personality like that then takes your journalist and you take money from like an entity like a Gucci and funny enough Gucci has become one of the biggest stories in fashion of if arguably the, the biggest story in fashion in this in this decade but if you're if you're um, um, beholden to this entity for your for your income or for a significant part of your income then you can't really be an objective voice to speak about that company I, I mean I, I can't ignore that. That's real. And so, yeah, I could see that over to the side. You speak, you know, well on X issues and so forth. But I'm not going to ignore this other slice over here that shows, wait a minute. Again, this is one of the biggest stories of the decade. And you can't speak on it because you take money from them on a regular. Like, how, how do you ignore that? I think <laughs> I think because I'm really coming at it from a different angle, I think my main beef with the whole influencer economy really focuses around authenticity. So, my point about a Susie... But this speaks to authenticity. Yeah, but <laughs> my point about Susie is I think that whether Susie had a social following or not, whether people were looking or not, Susie, for the most part, would be about that, would dress like that, would look like that. What where's I'm the talking, coverage on Gucci? And I hate that this becomes a spot, Susie. No, but where's okay, the... Again, but I don't... I like, I hate, I, I'm no, going to challenge you on this because... I'm going to challenge you on this because, again, this story has been this story has been so big and it's not as though I'm watching, looking out for Susie's, you know, way in on Gucci, but we could talk about other personalities who have, you know, these kind of endorsement deals and their lack of... Lack um, or... or, or, or um, they have not taken a position on certain brands because of their relationship with, with them. And as I said, that is problematic in this age. And I think we can break that, we can crack that egg open to a wider conversation in terms of editors now in exactly. this age and they're, exactly. they're taking endorsements. And I think that that is a part of the polluting um, uh, part of influencer culture right now is that people are being bought. People are being bought, but that's ex- exactly. Money in fashion is is. Actually, it's own topic, so we should revisit that. We should. We we really should. what I'm saying is that's not specific to influencers. Like you said, you've got editors. Um, I was just reading an article. Editors of the new influencers. Well, I was just reading an article that Anna Winter did an interview that that was if you had two dresses of equal weight or I forget, two beautiful dresses or whatever. One was an advertiser. One was a non advertiser. Which would you feature in Vogue? And she said the advertiser every time. It's just that money and fashion, I think, is a separate conversation. What I'm talking about is um, the believability, the authenticity, the point, what this is doing to our ecosystem of fashion, what this is doing to other people, like followers' mental health, this whole idea that there are people who wouldn't look like that, would be much heavier, would be different, would dress differently, would be saying different things if they weren't trying to be influencers. That, that's what's created this ubiquitous aesthetic, this ubiquitous level of content, this ubiquitous way of dressing. Well, it's so funny so that my you whole focus thing on is that. Like, my whole thing is like, like for instance, my little sister, I have, a, I have two little sisters and an older sister. One of them is so extra. We call her the, we, for some reason, we call her the Kim Beyonce of the family. She's that girl that is done up to the nines at any opportunity. She's videoing herself. She's like, what's up? Like, she's that girl. She's doing that whether she's an influencer or not. She is contouring whether she's on camera or not. She's that girl. Even people like Kira Frangis, I get it. That's just who you are. It's not, it's not my bag. 
But I kind of just believe that you are who you are. And to a certain degree, you're probably in a slightly more inflated version of maybe who you naturally are. But you're about it. You're about what you're about. And you take money from the people you take money from. And that's your job. And that's what it is. But there are people who also aren't about it, but do that job and say they're about it. And I think that that's really where I'm talking about that whole idea of what are we doing, which is problematic, even from a business standpoint of overinflated numbers, buying likes, all of that, those things that influencers do to grasp this, I am an influencer. The way that brands are clamoring, like we have to work with her. I know she's not cool, but she has a big following and like, but it's just become this thing. And I'm not saying that it should or shouldn't happen. I'm just saying that it's kind of the elephant in the room. Like most influencers don't like other influencers. Most influencers are trying to diversify because they don't want to be influencers. Most people on the brand side have a disdain for influencers. Most people are questioning if they're even worth the ROI, but like we're all doing it anyway. And there are more and more, it's a saturated landscape. And this is this is a thing, but no one's really talking about it. It's just very much like it is what it is, and we all just dislike it. So I think yeah, that well, to me is what's interesting. Well, I'll, I'll I'll pull the lens out a bit on this one, and I'm I'm more seeing like the 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 cultural impact uh, the cultural impact of what influencers represent, and in spite of you know, fine, if I'm looking at uh, particular personalities and what they represent in this fashion space and how they have approached this influencer uh, role, that may be a bit different. But generally, generally speaking, I love this new symbol of success. I love that you know one does not have to go through, be filtered through a Hollywood lens in order to come out the other side and be and be deemed worthy of of endorsing a product or launching a product. So I'm really, I'm I'm really encouraged by. The, the entrepreneurial profile of, uh, of the, the influencer culture. I mean, let's be honest. There are, there are entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs that are coming out of there, like in short order, that are coming out of that, out of that world. And, and part and parcel is the, the direct-to-consumer model that has also emerged from this whole influencer culture. In many ways, it's really disrupted, you know, third-party participation or third, need for third-party to, to, um, um, to, 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 to sell a product in this age. There's just been so, so many important um, sort of flattening to doing business that has emerged out of influencer culture that I have really appreciated. I love the, demar- the, the democratization of the influence itself that you could look at your kind of person, you know, your, if you, whether you're, 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 you're plus size or you're differently abled, there's so many of um, uh, representative tribes that have emerged from this whole influencer culture. Those sort of things I think are tremendous. But as I said, when we get into the actual personalities and fashion and what they represent, I have to tell you, Susie Menkes, Susie Menkes in the last like three years has completely annihilated her long built authority in this business because she's running around like a fangirl trying to be an influencer, taking snap backstage and promoting designers and movement and things in a way that a seasoned journalist should not, a seasoned journalist should not be uh, endorsing something simply by taking a selfie with a designer and 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 broadcasting that out there as and 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 using that as a substitute for journalism. So if we're if we're going to talk about the the nuanced part of this influencer culture, those are the kind of things that I say capture my attention. But the general sort of like the general influence, I think it's quite major. And I'm again, this isn't a blanket statement. I'm not saying that the entire influencer economy needs to go away and that the idea of these influences needs to disappear because. To your point, all of, everything you've just described is really wonderful. And I think that anything we can do to disrupt and democratize and humanize fashion is amazing. That's obviously not my beef. I think what we're talking about is people who are incredibly disingenuous. And I mean, it's like anything in fashion or in any industry, there are people that take concepts too far. So, and like, I was even just reading um, an article on BOF about um, like the fraud within the influencer economy. So it's like, there's just these, there's just these stages and these levels that I think the original kind of focus for this conversation was around influencer likes and the conversation around that. And I think that 
one of the things I'm most excited about with the likes disappearing is the fact that there's not really going to be that need to chase a certain metric that people have been using as decision-making markers. So it's almost like if people aren't really understanding from a front-end perspective how your content is performing and making decisions based on that and the algorithm being based on that type of ubiquitous content, et cetera, Mm. you're kind of going to have to have a point of view. Right, right. right. So what you post and your content that you put out there and the things that you say are going to have to be determined by just other factors, right? And I think we're going to start looking at things through a more authentic lens. So like, I almost guarantee that even things like, um, I call it the Insta Stories voice, So there's outfits of the day and like styling videos. There's that, hey guys, this is my look for the day. (laughs) Even things like that will change because there's no one saying that's what you have to do anymore. (laughs) There's not, do you know what I mean? No one's going to tell you that you need to post those new Bottega strappy sandals to get the engagement. Do you know what I mean? No one's going to say you need to post the padded bag or wear that, you know. So I think that we're, going to have a different set of markers and that is going to be like what's unique to me what makes me me because ultimately isn't that really going to be the only metric that brands really focused on because there's no way of showing your audience what is performing well in the form of likes so I personally think that if anything as much as I'm on this bitch rant The optimism of taking away likes, I think, is going to force a lot of these influencers to actually have a point of view and really focus on them and who they are and what what they have to offer this industry that isn't a blanket, ubiquitous, homogenous idea of this is what an influencer is, this is what an influencer says, and this is what an influencer does. And to seize upon that point, yes, if if that change can come about... (laughs) With this, um, with this introduction from Instagram, I um, I think that that could be. I think that that could be. I think that that could be quite. Um, that could be quite helpful. Uh, because in this comparative culture, yes, I mean, I I understand in this comparative the in this comparative culture, we're looking, and that's part of my issue as well. We're looking to, um, for authority and influence in people that are not necessarily worthy of that authority and influence. That's like the other side. That's the other side of my argument that anyone, anyone can, you know, can start putting on and usually they're influenced from someone else. Anyone can start putting on whatever outfit and start speaking about it from that platform and try to influence uh, uh, an audience of people out there. And what part of my problem is, is that for the younger generation, they are looking to these, I mean, let's be honest, they are some of the most important players in fashion in this current generation, but they're not necessarily doing much. So they're not imparting much to the next generation. They're just putting on clothing and putting the brand and putting an ad next to it. There's not much content well, to this influencer culture. That's I if, if if anything that sort of pains me about this is like, well, what does this represent? What does this what, say? That's why I'm talking about the trend thing. Like before the term influencers, they were bloggers because they had blogs where they had to create content which was usually in photo and written form. Yes. Then it, you know, then video form. Obviously, YouTube is YouTubers is like its whole kind of other ecosystem yeah. within that. But like you, you, there was a discipline to it. Yes. And then Instagram yes. took off, and then it was like, I don't even need to do that. I could just get paid on this platform and just take so. So that's then we. So that's I think that was the pivot when we went from like you're people right. who you're right you know, you had to be a bit more discerning as a brand or as a person as to like... Who, you had to have there, something to say. Because there was some, there was a platform that you had to hone. Yes. Whereas now it's very different. But also to your point about the younger generation looking up to these people, my concern, I have a little girl, my concern is that they're looking up to things that aren't real. That I, and that's I what I'm talking about. I'm like, okay, that, yes. she does not look like that. Oh, okay. She... Facetune is real. Facetune is very She doesn't real. have that life. She's probably paying rent that she can't afford to live in an apartment that she can that is Instagram friendly. Yes. She's definitely not traveling like you know like all of these things of like oh wow she's doing this and she's got she's got those new Bottega shoes they're like $1200 and like ah oh, I can't even you know like but it's not real. So my whole thing is if this whole 
idea started from this idea of she's cool and like I could take style influence from her and it's authentic and it's, you know, not taken too seriously, whatever. If it started out like that and now people are using it as sticks to beat themselves with (laughs) and they're aspiring to things that aren't real, like at least when you were like fawning over like, I don't know, Nicole Kidman or Halle Berry, they were untouchables and like, yes, they were, you know, I don't know, beautiful or talented or whatever the case may be. But there was that reality check because you knew that that was a very specific situation that's very specific to them. And actually that's not real life. And like, they're not even pretending to live in the real world. And like, you take everything with a grain of salt and you take everything with context. Whereas here, it's difficult to contextualize what you're looking at when people aren't telling the truth, when everything's so ubiquitous, when things are so ubiquitous, you think that it's real. and, And there's just a lot of psychological warfare that's happening that makes this very difficult to navigate both from a brand standpoint and what mm. that means for the the way you are processing budgets and marketing the plans and content strategies. But also from a follower standpoint, it is a bit problematic because I think that it is causing a lot of the Instagram fatigue, the mental health issues that we talk about, but no one's attributing it to anything other than comparison culture But what are we comparing it to? Yes, sort of to our other friends, but they're our friends, so we have a bit more context. How do we not sound like haters in this? And I have to say... Which is why we haven't done this this podcast for like two and a half years, because I literally was like, if I don't have anything nice to say, I'm not going to say anything at all. But I don't think it's not nice, because I don't think it's criticism. I'm not sat here trying to be an asshole. Like, my point isn't to offend or hurt people, or like, say people are trash. I'm not saying anyone's trash. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that... There are certain practices around this influencer nurse, which a lot of people have admitted to, like in terms of chasing likes or feeling that pressure to perform and that pressure to get brand money. And like, I really empathize with that because you're caught in a cycle that is hard to get out. Like if that's your reputation and that's your means of living, like how do you all of a sudden say, oh my God, this has totally escaped me. And I've built this platform based on something that, I don't recognize it as me anymore. You're not really going to turn around one day with no makeup and just like be, yeah. And and so I can sympathize with everything that we're talking about. That being said, it doesn't mean it doesn't warrant the discussion. I mean, we're all having them internally. We're talking about it inside brands. We're talking about it amongst ourselves. And it's again, but no one really wants to say anything because I guess you don't want to look like you're hating. You don't want to look like you're mean, but also there's not really much to be done. I mean, 20 new influencers pop up every single day. So it kind of also just is what it is. But I think as it pertains to the new algorithms um, and Instagram taking away likes, yes, I think that there is going to be a slight paradigm shift because if that's not what you're chasing anymore, there's a level of liberation that I'm hopeful will yield more realistic connections and more realistic portrayals of what life is and what influencing is and all of that stuff that we're talking about. Full disclosure. And I have to say, I do have some, I have some experience and some firsthand knowledge on this, on this influencer thing, because my, my profile on Instagram, I was an influence on Instagram. Oh my God, Jason, you were literally an, (laughs) you were being an Instagram follower. You had half a million followers. I had half a million followers. I, you know, literally I couldn't, I, and I couldn't explain how I got those followers besides that I was very consistent with my, with my curation and, and and so forth. But yes, I got a, a lot of attention my way and I saw what happened with influencer the culture. I see, I, even I've restarted my account and I see currently, yeah, I'm looking at my likes. I'm looking, you know, you want to see what, what performs and what doesn't perform and so on and so forth. You, 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 it's that dopamine thing that people speak about. It's real and legitimate. And you feel that as well from, I feel that from, um, from the influence. Can I ask you a question? There. Sure. So your influ- your um, Instagram account was never really centered around like you as a personality. No. You did obviously post like outfit posts when you travel and you were active on stories, but for the most part, it was a curation of your cultural purview, shall we say. Exactly. Um, And that was ultimately what led your content strategy. So I understand what you're saying about the pressure is real, but do you feel like if your account and those half a million followers was really based and centered around you as a persona, your aesthetic, your style, who you are, how do you think that would have, A, impacted your evolution on social? Like, 
your kind of, I wear what I wear, I'm discerning about taste, but actually that didn't perform well. But I found that when I wore the thing that Brian Boy wore. And when your account um, kind of got taken away or when that whole change happened, do you think that would have really impacted your sense of self? Because I, when that happened to you, I was like, oh my God, I actually do know influencers that like <laughs> would have gone to Instagram, banged down the door and maybe even taken their own life. It's real. And you were really chill about it. And I, and the only thing I can peg it down to is, A, obviously you are, you know, of a different generation. You're more, um, have developed character, like that these things don't bother you. You have perspective. But also I was like, maybe it's also because his Instagram wasn't about him. So it's not really commentary on him as a person. Yeah, and I, I, I got to tell you, if it was about me, if I was like promoting, it was only photos of me and promoting myself every day and that was gone, yeah, I'm sure it would have a, a real impact on me, just like on my identity and also probably my, my, my bottom line because, you know, if it was so intrinsically tied to me, that would probably be for a reason. That would be for, you know, selling my personality and so on and so forth. To me, it was, I could never... I could never. It's I. I was never that guy. I could never be that guy. I could never expose my world in that way. I could never endorse things in that way that I didn't feel um, that I wasn't uh, uh, passionate about. That wasn't authentic to me. That I didn't like. I couldn't imagine being dressed up in outfits by designers just to show up at their, you know, at their fashion show and things like that. Things like that. That I think it's about killing creativity is about killing self-expressions in order to 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 sell consumption and so forth and to and that sort of promotion so i have i'm not the right i'm not the right person to speak about this because i have such you know hard-boiled ideas about you know certain things that i would do publicly and certain things that i i i would never do and that's why you say that you say that now that's my point well no <laughs> you no, say that now well but, and that's a good question actually i appreciate that challenge i appreciate that challenge fine and one of the things I, I know that would happen is, you know, as worldly as I am, as well-connected as I am, I also see how, how racist, you know, a platform like Instagram is. And for all of my, for all of the attention I get from my personal style and all those sort of things, it also becomes a space that you really see the world play out, you know, in that as well. I'm not a, a, a blonde, you know, cute little thing from Los Angeles or Copenhagen. And, um, and I, I, my expression is not like that. And I'm, I know my response would be would not be like that either regardless of how influential how innovative how cutting edge and all of those sort of sort of things you can be i think instagram also reflects the greater world so i got a really good taste of um and also i got a good taste from my own experience but also got a good taste from um just seeing firsthand and closely what's out there how certain influencers get a certain response, even though they're as consistent, they're as prolific as their other counterpart. So it, it becomes a space as well that is a, is a it's sociological. It really, really is. And so for me, my identity and that profile, I was always very cognizant of it. And the reason why I was, you know, there was such a deluge of images, of curated images from elsewhere, was that it, it filled the space of where someone may have wanted to, to see me more, more, more personally. It's not so something I was willing to, to, so to trade. So that's also what you're attributing, the this real homogenous aesthetic of these influencers and the types of content verticals and the, the types of posts being so homogenous, you're attributing it to the the way that Instagram sees the world or sees the industry, and that's how they're basing their algorithms, which determines how people post, which determines what's liked and all of that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And you, you know, you see how things are, you see how things are ranked popularly, you know, Amy Song's popularity and what she represents, you know, for Asian culture is, 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 is deliberate, you know, Chira Ferragani and her, you know, Chira Ferragani, you've never Ferengi. said her name. I, I have wrecked her name <laughs> on this podcast a number of times, uh, but <laughs> was Chira Ferragani, you know, her being so telegenic and with her, her white smile and blonde hair and Italian identity, you know, all of those things figure in. And I, I hope it doesn't sound like there's any sour grapes, but my, my feeling is that I would not put myself out there on such a stage because um, I the, 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 that sort of profiling is not something I was interested in. 
I just thought about, um, there aren't really that many black influences, are there? And there's a reason for that. <laughs> I just thought about that when you said that, because I was like, well, what about? And I was like, oh. No, there's a reason for that. And if you look at the successful black influencers, their numbers are a fraction. You know, the 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 one that are noted, their numbers are like a quarter of their white counterparts. And as I said, they're as prolific. They're at the same events and, and and you know, they are, some are as thirsty, but they don't get the same. Some are even posting the exact same content. <laughs> <laughs> but they get a very different, they get a very different, um, a very different response. And so it's, it's, it's a problematic, it's problematic in those ways. But again, no more problematic than it is outside of digital culture in 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 real life analog you know so that that there 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 are definitely issues there are definitely issues there surrounding um culture surrounding race and and identity and all those sort of things that play out on instagram but of course you would expect that. Of course you would expect that. This is a this is a microcosm. Um, in many ways, it's a macrocosm of the of the world that 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 we live that we live in currently. So, I, Henrietta, I mean, I in, in discussing this, I just feel I, there's so many other areas that I feel that we we're gonna have to tackle on this because this is a this is a very this is like a bubbling this is like a bubbling terrain here. There's I said a, all I need to say about influencers. <laughs> I will not have the, another conversation on this podcast about it. Well, you know. What I what I would really appreciate is like we know some of the influence out there, some of the some of the popular ones. I would love to hear from I would love to hear from the community because I think this is a I know in fact that this is a hot button issue because it gets a lot of people. But I think riled we would be. Up. I think look, which is also partially why it's like okay, yeah, we said it, and you know, lol, I said what I said. I said what I said, but. <laughs> We can have conversations with the community and like we've had conversations. That's kind of almost what gave us the, you know, we should talk about this because like we've been talking about it for a good, you and I have definitely been talking about it for a good few years. Absolutely. I think we'd be hard pressed to actually find someone who's in it to talk about it. Because even the behind the scenes conversations that I've had with actual influencers, they're so closed doors that, I mean... Because yeah. really the conversation is about someone who, because it's one of, I think a lot of the main criticisms that we'll get for this episode is like, well, it's all right for you to sit behind the mic or it's behind, it's okay for you to say that you're not in it, you don't understand the pressures or you're not an influencer and this is real and this is my life and this is how I see it and it just so happens that it's the way other people see it too. Or, you know, there's many uh, very reasonable and valid counterpoints absolutely. to absolutely every single thing I've said and I'm aware of that. We're just never going to have that discussion with anyone who's actually an influencer again because... Well, no, 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 no. Don't say that. No, no, I, I don't think do you should you? speak. Do no, you think that I, you know I, someone who would be willing to even speak about it in an abs- open forum? I would hope so. I would hope so. I don't know why an influencer would shy away. And let's be honest, if I was an influencer making a very healthy living from my um, from my endeavors and I had to sit in a forum and um, and uh, support and argue uh, that position, I, I would I would readily I would readily do that. Uh, because there's no, you know, we're all hustlers out here. We're all know, trying to make again, an income. To and- my point, if you were an influencer, which isn't really the the point, because I'm, we're talking about a very a slightly different positioning. But I mean. God, I just sound like a bitch. For for the ones that we know out there, okay. Well, let's take take that as an invitation then um, to weigh in on to weigh in on these issues. What is because... the final? What is the final? Where have we landed on this conversation? Because I feel like I just did a monologue and then we <laughs> spoke about some stuff. I don't know that we really came away with a takeaway because let us be clear. Let me be clear. My point wasn't to sit here and hate on influencers. I really, I'm just not that ill minded. That being said, I do stand behind the issues and challenges that I personally see as being prevalent across this influencer industry. But with the changes in of Instagram, I mean, Instagram is the main and most important platform. Obviously, you have Facebook still and you have YouTube to me as a whole kind of other subsection or ecosystem within this. But that's not really where I'm kind of going with this. Um, and obviously you have rising platforms like TikTok, the effects they've yet to be seen. Um, that's what I've identified. These are the conversations that I'm having. This is, to me, 
the temperature of a certain space that I occupy. So I just want to kind of have a bit more of a solid takeaway so that because I'm I'm really conscious about this not just coming across as like we had a bitching session about influencers and then we like signed off with some music. <laughs> Fine. Well, I, my position is that uh, the influencer culture, just generally speaking, I think is positive because influence has always been there and influence is there currently outside of what we uh, define as influencer culture. So influence is always there. However, the great thing about influencer culture is that it upends this rigid criteria values. Like it really upends it. And for me, for me, that is a positive alone. Because remember, we've spoken about this many times in this forum, that top-down yeah. That top-down influence that is narrowly defined. It was narrowly defined by, you know, a, let's call it a, a, a cabal of, uh, you know, um, arbiters. <laughs> a cabal of arbiters that, you know, we we, we may not have um, uh, chosen. You know, we didn't we, we didn't have a hand in determining who they were, but they ended up uh, dictating to us what we're supposed to consume, when we're so, supposed to consume it, and how we're supposed to consume it. So if nothing else that has been born out of the influence of culture nothing else that it has democratized where we look for suggestions, that has been a progressive element in culture. And I would say that my point, not necessarily takeaway, is that I think it's, I think my challenge is we've gone beyond where we're looking for suggestions, right? And when you say, I agree with everything you've said, it has really upended a very rigid infrastructure and system that we found ourselves in in fashion but I feel like has also replaced it with another rigid system that they have found themselves in so for me it feels very similar to the thing that it's apparently replacing I'm all for democratizing and humanizing and changing and shifting the paradigm and all that good speak but I just feel it's to your exact words upended one very rigid system to another very rigid system. And I'm excited about the changes in within the Instagram platform because I think that that rigid system, which is the thing that I personally find challenging, will change to be more authentic and human, which I personally thought was the underpinning and entire point of being an influencer. And as a sort of as a parallel to that, one of the, well, not as a parallel, let's, let's call it maybe the continuation. One of the things that came up in my research for before this podcast is almost the alternative to influencer culture and that being thought leadership. You know, I think something like that is is more substantive in, in thinking in that you're looking for expertise you're looking for people who have gone through a certain rigor of an education and 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 work in an area that there's 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 real deep knowledge and expertise in and 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 the point has been raised and you know the research what i found was that you know people were sort of like okay if you have a, a, a fraction you have 5000 thought leaders as opposed to 100000 followers you know what ultimately is the more attractive um audience and in in, in, in some instances, it may be that audience of the thought leader who is like, it's quality over quantity. And right. and and I, I liked I liked that proposition. Maybe it's just a matter of of um what we ask from, from these people who are suggesting things for us. We just ask for greater authority. It's not we're, we'll always look for suggestions and ideas and influence from places, but it's a matter of how sound and, and credible that influence and is. There's definitely been a shift. There's definitely been a shift because I think that brands, I know that my big strategy is like working towards micro-influencers. So people who, you know, don't have, I think brands are shifting away from like those big, big influencers, A, because they just can't afford them anymore. Um, And there are a lot of kind of newer direct-to-consumer brands who just have to be more scrappy with their marketing budgets. But Also because it, you know, micro-influencers who I think 
I forget what the exact metric is, but I think they have less than 50,000 followers. Yeah, it's but like 5 to 50,000, I think. Is exactly. The... So depending on where you are as a brand, that number, there's a sliding scale. You know, it's more authentic because they aren't trying to please everyone and anyone and they're more, you know, niche and discerning and there's more of a point of view and all of that great stuff that brands really want. So yes, that I love that. There's a shift to micro-influencers. That to me is actually where influence is. Like I'm influenced to purchase from what my sister's posting to what someone who has... 3,000 followers, those are the people that are actually influencing anyway. So that shift I'm really excited about. But when we talk about opinion leaders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, like all things in fashion, those terms are being co-opted too. So actually, (laughs) influencers are those things too, because where we are as a culture is that everything is up to interpretation and everything is subjective. So who's to say that the absolute basic influencer that don't follow her, but she keeps showing up in your Explorer feed anyway. Who's to say that she can't label herself a thought leader on anything? Because it, because it's like if you if you say you are, you are, and that's where we are. So when we try to break down these terms, you know, and we talk about semantics all the time. I personally think semantics matter because the meaning of words shouldn't be co-opted or shouldn't be diluted and it should be about what it is. Like sustainability is a thing, like authenticity is a thing, like thought leader is a thing, journalist is a thing. But it's different when everything's democratized and up for grabs because, you know, you could be a model, you could be a DJ. Modeling for what? That doesn't really matter. DJing off of YouTube is a thing. Like, you know, you could be a thought leader. These ideas lack that rigor of of definition. So even when you talk about thought leaders, there are articles and Instagram bios with the very people that we're talking about in that category. So I think it's all this, it's it's all converging. And I think that's a big part of my kind of like, ah, you know. Okay, point, point. Okay, well, to the, <laughs> to that point. I'm so tired. Okay, we're, we, we, we'll be revisiting this uh, more than once, I'm sure. And we would love to hear your comments, particularly in this one. Next time. Bye.